Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you today on this Friday, October the 9th of 2020. Yes, you heard it right. This is Friday. We're about to enter into the weekend. And uh, just in the last few days, uh, we have been on uh, a study of about eight or nine podcasts that where the Lord had us in Ezekiel 8. And, uh, man, so many things, heavy stuff we spoke about, but uh, so much that we were able to glean and God showed us. And so we thank you. We thank you, uh, the listener, for joining us as you make this possible. And it's because of you that we come uh, time and time again because of your hunger, because of your faith. And we thank God. And we consider it an honor to be able to share this time together, studying the Word of God in such a time like this. Today, uh, as we get ready to get into the Word of God, in our panel we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. As always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So now I'm going to give it to you, Brother Marty, and uh, as we close out this Friday, I know God has something fresh for us, and uh, so you can share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're looking forward to today's uh, podcast, and we pray that you have your Bibles right there with you. We're going to we're gonna look into a different story as we close out the week. It's been quite a journey, like Brother Jeremy said. I think we did nine podcasts on Ezekiel chapter 8 and chapter 9, and, uh, and, and frankly, I'm just glad I'm moving on from that whole subject. It's intense, <laughs> but, I, uh, I'm, 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 glad when, I'm really glad what the Lord was able to do and what we discovered. And I pray that it uh, has inspired you as well. Those who have been following along regularly on our podcast, we're, we're as always so grateful uh, that you take the time to uh, to spend time with us in the Word. And uh, we invite you today as well as we get into the Word of God today. We're going to be coming to you from the book of Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And I'm going to want Brother Jeremy to uh, read to us, if he could, from the 17th chapter. And uh, we'll get into this study. Uh, let me see what verse it is here. <clears throat> uh, yeah, why don't you read to us, Brother Jeremy, beginning in the 17th chapter, the 14th verse through the 16th verse, as we look at Paul's journey uh, to Athens today. And I pray it'll be a blessing to those uh, that'll tune in and hear this podcast in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you read that to us, please? Amen. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Wow. Uh, verse 15 says, And they brought Paul to Athens. And while he waited for him, in verse 16, for them uh, in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I was meditating on these things this morning and felt like the Lord wanted us to explore this. To close out our week, and really, it's it's uh, it's a good thing to to look at because really, it's a it's 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 the story of the gospel, and uh, of of all the apostles, you know, Paul. Uh, it's not recorded. Uh, he never had a meeting with Jesus during his public ministry. Um, it was after the resurrection that the Lord would appear to him. You know what, what's ironic is. Uh, the Apostle Paul was born around the same time as the Lord. He was younger than the Lord, but <clears throat> but he was contemporary in, in his generation. Paul was born somewhere in between, they say, 4 and 5 A.D. Uh, he was born in Turkey, in a city of, uh, in a suburb of Cilicia, they say, in Tarsus. Um, and he was, according to the book of Acts, he was a citizen by birth of the Roman Empire, a high status. Uh, you either bought your citizenship or you were 
freed into citizenship by an owner if you were a slave, and which half the world at that time were, was in slavery. But Paul, on the other hand, he was a citizen by birth, which was uh, which got him out of a lot of trouble when you study the Book of Acts at times. But but when Paul was born in around four or five A.D., Jesus was about eight years old. And then the Bible uh, and history tells us it was around the age of 15 or 16 years old uh, <clears throat> in the year 2021 A.D. Uh, when his father uh, relocated from Tarsus uh, to the most prestigious school of ministry in Jerusalem, uh, where he studied under the great scholar uh, Gamaliel, who uh, apparently studied under uh, one of the most quoted scholars in rabbinic history, uh, Hillel. Um, he studied there for about 10 years. And uh, Paul himself testified that uh, he was a son of a Pharisee. Uh, and, and obviously his father sent him to Jerusalem to learn. So they had access to to uh, the greatest scholars of the day. And, and that was his education. But can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And I think it's chapter 23, uh, verse 6. Yeah. Verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. Of course, that the scripture you just read is, is Paul giving a defense uh, in Jerusalem for uh, for why he believed what he believed. But we identify and can learn some things about him right there. As in his own testimony, he said, you know, my, my dad was a Pharisee. So it kind of gives us an insight that, you know, when he uh, when he became a, an official Pharisee after going to school, probably about 10 years, um, he became a Pharisee, identified as a Pharisee, and and, uh, and he was raised in the house of a Pharisee. So when we see uh, his pedigree or, or the, the resume he gives, it really gives you a sense of, of what formed his early life and why he was so intense. Uh, when he went to persecute the church after the death of Stephen. Can you read his resume to us, Brother Jeremy? I think that's in, where is that, Philippians? Yeah, let's see here. Chapter 3. Chapter 3? Yeah, that's right, chapter 3. Why don't you start with uh, verse 4 and read, uh, yeah, verse 4 through 7. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. That's quite a resume he gives there uh, as he, he recounts his past life before he converted to to, to Christianity. And, and he's writing to the to the Philippians there. So we're getting kind of a picture of, of the background of the man. I mean, he had an, an incredibly high pedigree and... And he became an official Pharisee, according to history, around the year 2930 A.D. So he was about 25 years old when the Lord was crucified and when the Lord rose from the dead. It's fascinating to me when you think about it, because at that age, he would have been incredibly aware of what was going on. Though it, it, the book of Acts doesn't record at any time that he actually encountered the Lord or was ever in his presence. But uh, he, he, no doubt, he, being a, a student in Jerusalem, he, he knew about him. And, and you have to understand that <clears throat> that's not so unusual that he didn't actually run into the Lord. I mean, there was, I mean, wherever the Lord went, there was thousands of people trying to get to him. You know, but where he heard about him more than likely were in the schools, in the rabbinic schools or the Pharisaic schools where he was being taught and instructed. So even though Jesus was on the lips of, of all people, 
understand that the, the kind of teaching he heard about this this uh, this Jesus, you know, was was negative, and and uh, and and so what was being produced in him even up until the time of the crucifixion was was a propaganda right from the Pharisees and and from the Levites and and the talk around the temple in the temple grounds. So, but it's fascinating to me that he actually never actually read him, or met him or saw him quite possibly. And, and if it was important for us to know that it would have been recorded in the book of Acts, but it's not there. He simply says he was a man that was born out of season. And, and so he spent about, you know, three years persecuting the church uh, after the martyrdom of Stephen. The Bible tells us, I think it's in Acts eight. Yeah. Can you uh, read, uh, Chapter 7, verse uh, 59, 60, and then uh, verse 1 of chapter 8 to us, brother. Yes. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. Lay not to their, excuse me, lay not this sin. To their charge and when he had said this he fell asleep chapter 8 verse 1 and Saul was consenting unto his death and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the Apostles except the Apostles so Jesus has already ascended into heaven. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit has taken place. Paul has been being schooled in, in, in the finest schools under the finest scholars in Pharisaic tradition. In that, in that resume we just read, he, he said concerning the law, he was blameless. That's intense <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, and concerning the righteousness of the law, he said he was blameless, which means that he was in a, a strict adherent uh, to the rules, the regulations, the writings, the oral traditions. I mean, down the line, you know, the tefillin, those little uh, boxes of scripture they would wear on their head and on their on their arm, uh, the, the phylacteries, you know, the long prayer um, threads that they would put on their prayer song. He walked around like this, so and he's a young man. And there are some historians that say that that he had caught the eye of, of the councils and was quite possibly being groomed for one day to take over the high priesthood. So this is no normal young man here. This is this is somebody that that uh was incredibly religious as about as religious as they come in in a self righteousness. And it says that when when young Stephen was being stoned for his faith, what Brother Jeremy just read there, says that Paul was consenting. In other words, he was in total agreement, and he was actually holding the clothes of those that murdered Stephen, that martyred him. An intense thing, because uh, after that, we're told that Paul, from that point on, it's as if a spirit overtook him. And he wrote, uh, like you read there, Brother, earlier, that uh, concerning the church, he persecuted it. He, he got letters from the from the high council and, and began to go into the territories up in northern Israel, into Syria. He was on his way to Damascus uh, with letters in his pocket, seeing who he could go arrest out of the synagogues because the gospel began to spread after Stephen died. It, the church began to go into all different directions, and, and, and what they did was begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the synagogues. And Paul was driven by a desire to put a stop to this this cancer as he viewed it but something happened uh on the road to damascus and 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 that's that's what permanently and forever changed his life and literally the course of western civilization the, the power of god that impacted him and the revelation of jesus that outshone the sun the bible says um knocked him to the earth and 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 the lord revealed himself to him can you read that in brother jeremy brother jeremy in, in uh, acts chapter 9 when the Lord uh, reveals to him, uh, nine chapter, yeah, just start with verse one and and uh, and read through verse five, would you? Yes. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter 
against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's incredible because what the Lord reveals there, and really uh, the great physician Luke is writing the book of Acts, who was a constant companion with Paul. So you know that the testimony of his conversion was given directly to Luke from the apostle Paul himself. And he's telling him what, what, what had overtaken him. But what's interesting is what the Lord reveals when the Lord appears to him in verse five, he tells him, I, I'm Yeshua, I'm Jesus. Uh, whom you're persecuting, but then he says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And what what he was literally saying to him, and, and what that reveals to us, is that even though uh, Paul was, was seeking to, to persecute the church, breathing out threatenings and slaughters, and, and trying to bring, uh, you know, any of this way, as they called it, the Christians, he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. The truth was, <clears throat> was that at the martyrdom of Stephen, he was present and heard that incredible sermon that Stephen gave. And then the Bible tells us when Stephen died, it says that his face was shining like an angel and that he claimed to see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then he died, right? But he died with the words of love and forgiveness on his mouth. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, he basically, you know, lay not this sin to this, to their charge, he basically repeated the same words that Jesus had repeated on Calvary, or Jesus had spoken on Calvary about about them, forgive them for they know not what they do. Something happened there. It, it, it penetrated his heart. It was already the beginning workings of the Holy Spirit that were beginning to, to work on him. And what's interesting is his response to that, that convicting power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, the pricks of your heart. You know, he's been going through some things, man. He was being convicted. He was arresting people and persecuting people, but there was something on the depth of his heart where the Holy Spirit was dealing with him, convicting him. He was unsettled. And so he kind of like doubled down, right? He doubles down, and we can see it in verse 1 of chapter 9, where it says he's breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, and he goes to the high priest to get letters from him so that he can go arrest more people. It's an interesting reaction to the conviction of the Spirit. It kind of opens up an understanding of what he was going through individually as a person, the conflict of soul that's, that's subtly put there by the Spirit, if you can see it. It's Because it's, Jesus, in verse 5, we just read it, said, you've been being convicted, and it's been hard for you to resist that conviction. What you're doing, you know you shouldn't be doing, but there's a confusion that he's, he's grappling with in his heart, and that's the working of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting what he was driven to do. It's like he doubled down. It was like he was trying to silence the voice of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in his heart. Maybe the Lord kept flashing in his mind that beautiful beautiful young man Stephen uh, and his face you know I'm, I'm sitting I'm, and maybe he saw himself in those uh, you know I'm just speculating here but it had to be something like that we were all human I mean he had to have seen it and and see himself holding the clothes of those that were killing this beautiful precious saint of God and then to hear his voice echoing right you know forgive them forgive them I mean that got a hold of him and it scared him because it penetrated a part of his religious world and his form and ritual and his zeal to uh, to keep the law of Moses, and it and it caused him to 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 be shaken by why do I why am I thinking about this and why am I feeling bad about this? That's what the Lord told him. It's been hard for you to resist what I've been trying to do to you. 
which is to get you to turn. And so his reaction was to double down. And when we read in verse 9 uh, that he goes to the high priest, that is really freaky to me, man. Because it was either Annas or Caiaphas, right? It was one of the two. And those were the two men who, who put Jesus on trial and crucified him. It is amazing that he had that kind of access with, with that level of the religious elite. And that he would go there and, and, and get permission. When all the while, what the Lord reveals to us here in verse 5 is he's being dealt with by the Spirit of God. Even on the road to Damascus, he's riding his horse and, 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 and he's journeying towards Damascus in verse 3. And then it says, suddenly the Lord comes and speaks to him. He falls to the earth and he says, you're persecuting me and it's hard for you. See, what... <laughs> I don't want to get too pastoral here. I'll leave that for Pastor Jeremy. But but we don't always understand what people are going through here, right? I mean, this guy's got letters in his pocket. He's on his way to, to – he's being used as the devil, man, you know? And, 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 and he's wrapped himself in, in mosaic Judaistic religion. He's fighting against the very Messiah who came to save him. He saw the, the angelic glow of, of the glory of God on the face of Stephen. He heard the, the words of love. It, it was so radical to him that it shook him. I mean, he's been in Jerusalem since he's a young kid, you know, anywhere from 14 to 16 years old. His father was a Pharisee. I mean, all these thoughts are going through his head, and he can't get this Stephen out of his head or the gospel he preached, because if you remember when Stephen uh, preached the sermon, he he began at Moses, right? And he preached all the way up until when he convicted them and pointed his finger at them and said, you're the guys who killed him. You killed the Messiah. It's incredible. And so <clears throat> we said all that to say that that the Lord bursts into his life and, and radically and, and completely changes him. And, and he, from that day forward, the Bible goes on to tell us, he was converted to his Messiah. He received an apostleship that day, really, because that was one of the prerequisites for the original apostles, is that you had to have seen the Lord. You had to have encountered him. You had to have a visible encounter and been with him. Uh, you know. But Paul saw him as the resurrected Lord. That's how he was first introduced to him. And I think that that's an important component in understanding how the working of the Spirit is. Because even as we know from history that Paul was in Jerusalem, it was divine intervention that kept him from knowing the Lord in the physical world. As his other apostles knew him, like Peter, James, and John, right, and the others. His was going to be unique and a unique apostleship in the sense that his first introduction and conversation with the Lord of glory was as the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, so no, it, it, the, Brother, Brother Marty, it, it's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. You're laying down a foundation of how his call came upon Paul, all right? Yeah. And his, the trajectory of his life, you know, where he came from, where he studied and 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 then who he became and and now this encounter this supernatural encounter that he has with Jesus and so uh so that's why we're we're you know we're we're all gleaning from what you're saying right now it's <laughs> okay. tremendous yeah. all right we're Great meditating and all this thing. yeah I, I thought maybe I put you to sleep all right so so check this out so, <laughs> so he gets up and 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 he's blinded for three days as we know the story right and then and then uh, Ananias comes and lays his hand on him and and from that moment on he was never the same and he's about 28 years old at that time he's now about 28 years old that's the year 33 AD and and what we know from the scripture um is that uh it's interesting to note because this is about 40, uh, about 13 years he goes away. Because he, he actually testified to that, right? He said he was, he spent 13 years in, in the desert, really. And that the gospel that he received in that 13 years was given to him by the Spirit. Do you remember where that is, brother? Is that in Galatians? Galatians, he went to Arabia. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Thanks, brother. You're right. It's in Galatians chapter one, and and he he talks about 
I love what he says. Just read it to us, Brother Jeremy, where it says, uh, where he says what happened to him. Um, start with verse 11 and then just read. We'll read through uh, 23. <laughs> but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, say James, the Lord's brother. Now, the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preached the faith which once he destroyed. Hallelujah. And they glorified God, he says, in me. And then he says this, then 14 years after that, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and I took Titus with me. I went up by revelation and communicated the gospel which I preached to the Gentiles. And it goes on from there. Incredible what he reveals here. And, and that's basically what happened. After he gets knocked off his horse, he just gives us, uh, as he writes to the Galatians, what happened to him. And I love what he wrote there in verse 15, uh, because it, it, it reveals to us the depth and the extent to which the Holy Spirit was able to reach into his heart and, and, and cause him to receive healing and forgiveness for what he had done. Because he, he then begins to identify himself in verse 15, and he says, It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by grace. He understood that his entire purpose for living was always destined to be what he was, which was an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by the school uh, of men but by the revelation of Christ is what he goes on to say, right? It, it pleased him to reveal his son in me so I could preach the to the heathen, uh, among him, uh, him among the heathen immediately. And then he says, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. In other words, what I learned, I didn't, I didn't go and, and learn from men. It was a direct move of the spirit in my life. It's just so fascinating to me, the, the journey that he takes and that he's revealing because where we're headed today, and, and I thought maybe we could maybe do this whole thing today, but I don't think we can, because we haven't even got to where we're going. Uh, but it's important to understand the working of the Spirit, because it applies to all of us, because God works on all of us in, in, in many and, and varying ways. Now, Paul gets knocked off the horse. He tells us right here what he's done. When he got knocked off that horse, he was about 28 years old. And it was it was 33 A.D. And then it's about a 13 year period that he's in training in the school of the spirit of God. It's interesting because he takes the journey of Elijah. He takes the journey of Moses. He goes into Arabia. He went all the way to where Mount Sinai is in Arabia. That's where it is. And, and we, we can look at other scriptures to, to verify that. But you could do that on your own study. But. He he he's taken by God as a Moses to the Gentiles, if you will, which is so fascinating to me, because because the Gentiles had not 
did not know God. There were Jew, there were Greeks that had converted to Judaism, uh, which he's going to encounter in Athens. But, but for the most part, the Gentile nations of the world, they didn't know God. So when we get into what Paul actually did at Athens, understand what we're, why we're laying this extreme foundation and, and looking at some things that led up to it. <clears throat> because notice, uh, when we get to Athens, what you're going to find is he's literally at, at the apex of science and technology and some of the, the Harvards and Yales and Cambridges and Oxford minds of the day, the Nobel laureates. I mean, that's where Paul, that's where God was taking him. But the journey that he would take to get there is what fascinates me because it's the preparation of the spirit. And, and he wasn't ready until then. So 13 years, it's now 46 AD. And, uh, it's interesting to note, after being knocked off the horse 13 years later in approximately 46 AD, God moves on on Barnabas. He's also called a prophet or an apostle, Barnabas was. And he goes to get Paul, where Paul is. Paul went back to where he was born. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? I think it's Acts chapter, chapter 11. And... Uh, and 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 it's speaking of of uh, of Barnabas. Start with verse twenty two and how he goes to get Paul. Uh, verse twenty two through uh, through twenty six. Yes. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, for to seek Saul. Verse 26, brother? Yeah, yes. Okay. okay. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Hallelujah. I mean, we oh, see the yeah. effect. Isn't that powerful? We yeah. see the effect of the Holy yeah. Spirit on Paul um, 13 years later. You know, he's been in the spirit. He's been he's been learning the word of God. He's the whole New Testament is being downloaded into his soul and spirit. He's he's become a man of God, but but he's he's just hanging out there in Tarsus, man. I mean, that just blows my mind. You know, and but but we also learn by that that God is not in a hurry. Understand, He is more concerned about the development of your life than he is with what you can do for him. Many Christians and many preachers have gotten in trouble because they got ahead of God. I'm at the head of the list, trust me. You know, the first thing I wanted to do when I got saved was go preach to tens of thousands of people, and I could only quote John 3.16, right? How, how qualified was I then? <laughs> but, but we see the working of the Spirit here. Now, what we know about Barnabas in verse 24 is it says he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and he's actually, uh, you know, producing fruit in Antioch. Much people, it says in verse 24, was added to the Lord. But look at the quality of a true servant of God. He departs and goes look for Saul. I mean, he didn't try and, you know, get on Antioch TV and, 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 and build a mega church. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, he went to well, get. you know, there's a, there's a beautiful, rich uh, uh, history on Barnabas, and maybe you could uh, confirm this, or, or, you know, if I'm wrong or if, or if I'm right, I'm not sure. But I believe Barnabas, they say, was the uncle of John Mark. Have you heard that, Brother Marty? And yeah. he was the brother, perhaps a brother of uh, Mary, who that's that's the house that that was used that was praying. Remember when Peter was in a. Uh, in prison, in jail. yes, in jail, and he and they were, 
and that's where that famous story of a young girl by Rhoda who heard Peter's. But it, it just tells you a little bit of the character of this family, yeah. of the heart, how this woman, I mean, to open up your house in the time of persecution, that was to put everything because they could put you in prison, take your property. But yet this woman risked to, and, and along with Barnabas and, 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 and his nephew, John Mark, they, they were very essential to uh, yeah. the rise of Christianity, of the preaching of Jesus Christ. And I think just by those little, I know, this, uh, you know, these things, we can get a little hint of who Barnabas was. He wasn't interested in, like you said, in building a mega church or anything. He was just trying to do the work of God as best as he could. And, and he goes out to seek Saul. That, that's amazing. So I just wanted to it is. In. It is. And, and, and when he found him, see, we know that he, he I think that the scripture there in verse 24 emphasizes that he was full of the spirit and faith. And then the next scripture yes. says, and he departs to Tarsus. That, that's the Holy Spirit's way of communicating to us. He was obedient to the spirit of God. You know, and he sensed, you know, from the from the spirit in his heart that he needed to go get Saul as if mm -hmm. he understood by revelation that this was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And what's powerful and profound to me is the is the combined ministry of Saul and, and Barnabas or Paul and Barnabas at this time in verse 26. It says when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So that reveals to us something about Paul as well. I mean, he's got a life established. It's been 13 years, man. You know, he's a tent maker. He loves the Lord. He's always preaching. But, I mean, you know, uh, here comes Barnabas, and he leaves everything. And he comes to Antioch. I would have loved to heard those conversations. You know, <laughs> brother, I need your help over here. And and Paul, did, you know, he, he didn't sit there, well, what about this? What about that? I mean, he came. And that blesses me. Yeah. And so when he found him, he brought him, he brought him to Antioch and it, it came to pass. Look at, they were there for a whole year. Right. And they assembled right. themselves with the church and they taught much people. So not only were they willing to commit, they were also, uh, they weren't elitists, right? Mm. It says they, they assembled themselves with the church. They knew how to fellowship. See, I was raised in an era when the evangelist comes in, you know, he shows up late, and, and then, you know, he, right. he, he sings a few songs, he preaches a rip-roaring message, and then he turns the service over and disappears. <laughs> he's, out of the, he's out of there, right? Yeah. Because he's just so awesome, right? And, and he wants to do all this effectual stuff, right? You know, we only see him when he does this, and he's gone. Oh, wow. That's what they do. That's what I learned right. how to do. See, but then I began, as God began to work on me, man, I began to look at these kinds of things and he's saying, you know what? You need to hang out. You need to fellowship. You need to love. I know you just ministered, but you need to, you know, they need, they need to, to be connected with you. They need to know and see that you're just like them. You know, that, that, that's, that blesses me that it says here uh, that they, a whole year and they assembled themselves with the church and they taught much people. And, and the effect of their ministry, check this out. It says the disciples were called Christians first yes. in Antioch, where they were, right? So the effect was that their, their effect as the Holy Spirit moved through their lives on the people that they were with was that the people were called the anointed ones. Because that's what Christian means, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> that, that that tells you about the quality of of and the depthness of the of the word that they preach was so powerful that that people began to say, "Hey, these are Christ followers, you know, Christ, you know, Christians, you know." And and as yeah. you said, brother, it, it just tells you about the depth. And one more thing, I, I just I don't want to lose it because you said it, and I think it, it goes without saying, but what you said is so powerful. God is, you know, God is more interested in the development, right? Of the what did you, how did you say it, Brother Marty? I don't want to. Uh, when you said something about the development of the. Of yeah, the many times we think we think you know God, man, he, I got to go do something for Christ. Well, the question is, do we learn from how God de developed his his saints? Right? He spent That's thirteen it. years developing the Apostle Paul before Barnabas went to get it. Thirteen years. Yeah. We read. 
right? We read he was traveling. He went into Arabia. He didn't talk to anybody. He, you know what I mean? And then he comes to settle down in Tarsus and live his life. Yes. And when he least expected, the man of God shows up at his door. <laughs> Hallelujah. God says, you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible, brother, because, you know, when I went to school, you know, the, the, the school of, you know, you know, uh, study in pastoral studies. You know, people freshly out of the out of out of college, they think, okay, I got a degree. You know, I got a theology degree. Blah blah blah. And now I can go out and do. And and what and I include myself. What we didn't understand is that was just the beginning. I, I came out with a little pride. You know, you yeah. know, I sat a little bit different. You know, uh, you know, I, <laughs> hey, I just came out of school, and man, I fell flat on my face. For many years. And the fact is that it wasn't until years later where God began to develop me, you know, and 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 and, and, and began to show me that, you know, where, where I really learned, I went to the school of hard knocks. That's a nice that's a good school that I recommend. It it'll make yes. put some sense into you. It's a school of hard knocks where you begin to learn who you really are and who he is. You know, and, and I think that and, and I know I've heard uh, I think it's Brother Fernando, you said it many times. When the devil cannot uh, trick you and uh, out of your call, he'll get you to to go in before time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Many times, yeah. you know, you know, we hear a prophecy. Oh, God's going to use you. He's going to give you a big. And then we jump right in, and then we get into a mess because we went before yeah. time. You know, and and I think that we have to understand that that the the development, you know, as men of God, as servants of God. It's, as, it's the most important thing that's going to take place. That's what I like the Apostle Paul. He could have bragged, right, what, what we read. He, he he studied under Gamaliel, but yet it took him 13 years, right? Yes. <laughs> he was just being faithful to the Lord, and to the Lord said, okay, Paul, go. So I, I just think that's a very good, uh, a very important uh, point that you made about the importance yeah. about the development in, in all of this. Yeah, and, and, and also... Uh, you made me think when you just said that, you know, okay, Paul, now it's time. Uh, even then, imagine the revelations he was walking around with, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a man who wrote 14 of the books of, of the 27 books of the New Testament. 14, almost more than half, I think, of the New Testament was written by him. And you could almost include the book of Acts, too, because most of it was dictated to Luke from Paul, from his life. And he's in Tarsus making tents. This is so counterculture, right? I mean, this is so counter-church culture of today. He He's sitting there making tents. And then the man of God shows up at his door and, and says, uh, I'm, here, I'm, here, I'm here for you. See, God is... <laughs> I don't care who you are. You don't have to be a preacher, right? God is able to move precisely at the time he says it's time to move. And if you'll wait on him, whatever it may be, it might be a business decision. It might be uh, maybe you're a student who's wondering, should I go here or there? Or what should I study? Wait on the Lord. Seek the Mm -hmm. Lord. And Mm -hmm. his destiny will come to you. See, Paul wrote what we read there in the book of Galatians, right? He said, The truth is, God separated me from my mother's womb. In other words, he's been working on me ever since I was born, right? And and, and then he revealed himself in me. And and when the precise moment came and and it was time for him, Barnabas shows up in 46 AD, and Paul's about 41 years old. Um, And he takes him him to Antioch. It's it's absolutely incredible. So this brings us now, ten years later, man. Let's let's go over there. We're probably gonna have to. We're definitely gonna have to pick this up on Monday. But uh, let's go over there. So we've kind of done a, a, our best to kind of lay a little bit of a background of what led to this. Those interim ten years from the time he went to Antioch, Paul's missionary journeys began. He began founding churches, and you know he hooks up with Timothy and Silas and. You know, he's he's uh, he rebukes Peter one time. You know, if you read the book of Galatians, right? Him and Peter had a little falling out there because Peter was so ingrained into Judaism that uh, 
that he was afraid of what they would think of him when when disciples came from Jerusalem and he saw Peter sitting at the table with Gentiles, which was against the the traditions of the elders, right? And Paul rebuked him openly to his face. And who better to rebuke Peter than the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Right? That's right. Yeah. It's not like some some compromiser in Judaism. No, this was a guy who said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. My daddy was a Pharisee, right? So, Peter, you're messing up, man. But but praise the Lord. So it, it's 10 years later now. And, and they're persecuting him because his ministry is being effective. The devil's after him. It's really interesting. Because he, he experienced the same persecution that he once inflicted on the church, right? That same spirit that once governed him came after him once he converted to Christianity and began to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he was being chased from city to city. Um, and he was in Thessalonica and, and uh, in chapter 17 and, and, uh, and Berea. He went to Berea, but they finally had to get him out of town, right? And, and, and that's, that's, what, that's what brought him to Athens. Uh, they, they were they were chasing him. Verse 13 of chapter 17 says, But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul in Berea, they came there also and stirred up the people. And verse 14 says, Immediately the brothers sent Paul away uh, to go, as it were, uh, to the sea. Uh, but Silas and Timothy stayed there. And then he comes, they brought him to Athens across the Aegean Sea. And this is so interesting after everything we've been talking about because, you know, it was the flow, uh, how do I say it, the flow of time and the determination of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it now carried Paul across the ocean. Again, it's another momentous occasion in the history of, of humanity where he went. And his journey had been bringing him to this moment in Athens. He didn't come a day too soon. He came exactly as the Spirit of God led him. He was brought there. Events carried him there. So this is another thing we can learn. It was, it was, it's recorded in Scripture, so it was always an intention of God for this, these moments and events to take place with Paul in Athens. But many times events and circumstance happen to us and we don't recognize, if we're walking with God, that is, we don't recognize that the hands of the Lord has actually brought us into this position that we may find ourselves in. I'm fascinated at where they brought him because Athens was an incredibly beautiful city. It, it, it was the seat of democracy. It's, it's the birthplace of democracy. It's the birthplace of Western civilization, really. And, and that's where the Holy Spirit brought him. It was the seat of academic as well as hedonistic thought, man. It's about as worldly as you can get at a high level. And I, at the risk of sounding like some, you know, you know, some some preacher here, you know, I was looking at photos of it this morning, and, and I can imagine as Paul approached the city, you know, uh, because they they have the Acropolis there, they have the Pantheon there, these these massive temples. Some of them are still wonders of the world, you know, the ruins of them. But back in the day when they were pristine and beautiful, uh, uh, Paul approaching by sea, you know, because it kind of sits on top of a hill, these temples, these glorious temples of, uh, of Athens, and he could see it. I don't know if the sun was was gleaming off the, you know, the the marble columns and, you know, the, the, the smell of the salt air, you know, all the boats in the water. He's going somewhere. Uh, that's legendary, and it's been around for hundreds of years, and and it's the seat of of the philosophies of the day. It really is like the Silicon Valley of our day, man. I mean, all the best talent, all the brightest minds, you know, the schools of learning. It was all there, and that's where the Holy Spirit was taking him. And and <clears throat> it's it's fascinating because Athens, like I said, it's the capital city of ancient Greece. The architecture was magnificent. It was actually named, I was re researching again this morning in my notes, and, 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 and I wrote these in my notes. It was named for the goddess Athena, the goddess of wisdom 
and warfare. Kind of ironic, right? The Athenians, history tells us, invented democracy. Uh, It was the very first place in civilization where every male citizen uh, could vote on issues of the culture of the day and, and, and whether they would go to war or not. And like I said, it was the Silicon Valley of its day. And uh, according to historians, it attracted the most talented and intelligent and philosophical people of the day. It was a melting pot for for the high order of, of society and culture of, of the known world of that day. It was the home of the famous home of the philosopher Socrates and Aristotle and the schools of thought that happened there. And so Paul comes there. And I love what verse 16 says. Can you can you read verse 16 to us, Brother Jeremy? Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. You know, on the surface, that, that those are, it's, it simply is what it is, what it says there. But if we really dig deep into it, you know, I was thinking about what that must have been like to sit there because it, it shows us the quality of, of depth of development that we've been talking about now. He's 51 years old now. You know, it's been, it was, he was 28 when he got knocked off his horse. So it's been 23 years since he met Jesus Christ. It, it, it's been 23 years before the Holy Spirit felt that in these 20, 23 year period, he would now be formed and ready to to be interjected into a culture like this, into a a missionary field at this level. It's like walking into Brussels, Belgium at the EU or or standing in Parliament in in London or or coming into Congress and and uh, and and addressing a, a joint session of Congress or or standing in 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 the legal halls of of of, of Yale and Harvard or I mean, or going into Silicon Valley and talking with all the tech heads over there. I mean, all of them were there. And he sits there after 23 years of of being with the Lord. He he bears in his body now after that 10-year interim period where they're chasing him from city to city. He's been beat. He's been stoned. But but he's a man's man, you know. And, and, uh, And for his own life, they got him out of the city. And now he's sitting there. And I was thinking this morning... You know, this is one awesome place to be. My daughter has been in Greece when she used to play professional tennis. She went and, and played over there in Crete and 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 and, uh, and and the Greek Isles there. And she sent me pictures. It's one of the most beautiful places you've ever seen. And I was thinking, if I was Paul, which is why I'm not, <laughs> I would have I would have viewed it as like. You know, I've got this resort coastal vacation for a while until Timothy and Silas show up. You know, I'm just going to kick back, get a tan, maybe, you know, you know, eat some grapes or something, you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been going at it here for tw- 23 years, right? <laughs> but that's not Paul, right? Uh, it's a, It says, while he waited, his spirit. Stirred in him uh, when he saw the city was totally given over to idolatry. It, it speaks of the Holy Spirit in him, right? I mean, the the word "stirred" it, it means to be exasperated, but it also means, and this is interesting, it means both to be exasperated and to be sharpened, like a knife is sharpened. You know, uh, it it's as if and this is, you know, this isn't something we can get into today, but we could we could talk a little bit about more on Monday because this is really part one, I guess, uh, because there's so much to explore here as he begins to to get into uh, what the Spirit of God has sent him there for. I'm fascinated because he didn't take a vacation. Matter of fact, in his mind, there was no such thing as a vacation, man. He had been arrested on the road to Damascus. Oh, that we would have that kind of a commitment to Christ. It's why we read about these men. They met the master, and they were never the same. And in everything they did, 
they did for his glory. And and we're not even worthy to stand in the shadow of these giants of the faith. And yet, because of the grace and mercy of God, we're allowed to see their vulnerabilities. We're allowed to see that they're they're just men. But ordinary men in the hands of God can accomplish extraordinary things for the glory of their master and their Lord. And and I would like to one day be able to know what that's like. And 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 I'm gonna try my whole with my whole heart to the day I die to, to, to become like that. And I know my brothers are that way, and I know you listening out there have had those moments of inspiration where you want to walk this close with the Lord because he is soon to return. And I think one of the reasons he's directed us in this passage of scripture over the next couple of podcasts is because we have a society uh, that has reached its intellectual enlightened stage where it, it has found itself empty in all its scientific pursuits, in all its philosophical musings, in all its, its entertainment and art and culture and its, its sports or whatever else you can name going down the list, its technology, there, there is at the heart of the culture a, a real sense of a, of a wanting and an emptiness on the inside. We see it all around us. The fruit of it uh, is all around us. And and that is what moved Paul when he said, it says that he saw everything was wholly given to it, to idolatry, totally given over to it. The irony is, is, is supposedly Athens was the most enlightened place in the world. And yet they found no answers. They found no contentment. And Paul understood this at a very deep level because the Holy Spirit caused him understand it and it's why his spirit was stirred he saw the the city it wasn't it wasn't you know merely looking at the buildings and things we were talking about or even even what was going on in the coast he saw it he was he was he was more than a spectator he was a discerner of the culture and the connection between what was flowing out of his heart toward a paganistic heathenistic society caused him to be stirred and produced within him a desire that they didn't remain in that condition. And when, and when that is settled for us in Scripture, the first thing that he does, and this is where we'll close and we'll pick it up on Monday, uh, is verse 17. What is that, brother? What does he do? Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So he didn't sit idle by. He he the first thing he did was go and and, and encounter the religious people. He went to the synagogue. And there's two classes of people here that are first mentioned uh, the Jews and the devout persons. The devout persons were true worshipers of God who had been, they were Greeks who had been converted to Judaism. They were devout. That's, that's the language of, of, of Judaism. They were, they, were, they were followers of Moses. And, and, and the Jews were, were totally, you know, uh, like the Jews back home in Jerusalem. They were the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the Mosaic law people. But even then, he goes directly to them because it's like the entire city is is is, is absolute. The whole culture is overrun, and the intensity by which the culture is pursuing enlightenment and intellectualism and and political development. You know, the seat of democracy, the and and mysticism. They had temples on every corner and and idols everywhere. And he says, and 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 God. The first thing God does is send him to the synagogue were the only people in the entire city that actually had access to the answers for the ills of society were holed up in their four walls and making absolutely no impact to the point that the entire place was overrun. It says it was wholly given to idolatry. And so he goes to yeah. confront them, right? 
And he says, you have the answer. What the heck are you doing here? <laughs> you know? uh, which is what he did. He went directly there. And it's really much like today's ineffective church, right? They're content to be, you know, singing their songs and blowing off their smoke bombs and waving their laser beam lights and dancing and all that stuff and having their own TV channels and the choir singing to the choir. But when you look across the landscape of the United States and Western culture, you have to ask yourself, if Paul was here today, what, where would he go? He'd first go to the church and said, what are you knuckleheads doing? You have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. Amen. And so that's where we want to pick it up because he leads by example, right? He goes to the marketplace daily and begins to be a witness for Christ. As we come into the weekend, let's 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 remember that with our loved ones and our neighbors in these most perilous of times, in these most unstable days in the United States and, and in this culture, we have the answer. It's not another poem. It's it's not another fancy sermon. You know, it's not another this or that or the other. It's simply the truth of what Jesus has done for you, flowing out of you, as it did Paul. And he went and began the process, trying one soul at a time to make a difference. As we'll go on into the end Monday, we'll go on and we'll see that that faithfulness to just go sit at the marketplace and strike up a conversation would lead him to the very pinnacle of power, Mars Hill, where he would give the most spectacular message as we explore it that I've ever read. One of the few sermons in the Bible where I just, I'm blown away at the depth of how he approached a totally godless society and, and the results of it are far greater than I think we've ever known before as we dig into some really cool nuggets uh, that we've been able to discover over the years. So we pray you have a good weekend. We pray your heart is stirred. And we pray that you would reach out and be that light because Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Yes, yes. Hallelujah. What a way to uh, end uh, our, our week today and kind of now we're going to be with that itch <laughs> to come back Monday and, and see and Great look God. into more of that encounter in Mars Hill. Amen. I'm Amen. I'm excited. Saul, Saul, I am Jesus who you persecuted. Hallelujah. Change this life forever. We praise God for his word this week. We praise God for all that uh, he has showed us. And uh, keep, uh, keep yourself alerted. Rest peace in God, but also also keep an eye open of what's taking place around the world as things are continually happening, especially around our nation, not just in our nation, though, all around the world. And uh, we pray, Lord willing, to be back with you on Monday if God allows us to. May God bless yes. you. May Brother God Jeremy, keep I'm, you. Brother Jeremy, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, would you say a little prayer for our brothers and sisters uh, uh, in the Gulf? coast right now in Louisiana, Alabama, and there they, they, there's a hurricane getting ready to make shore there in, in, in about an hour or two, and, and it's a big one. And uh, It's a category, yeah, what, brother, three or four? Category now? three right now, yeah. Category three. Yeah. Incredible. Father, so this would, moment, we, go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to say, so would you please lead us in a, in a little prayer there as we close out today? Amen. No, yes, let's, let's do that. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we get ready to close this podcast. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for putting in the heart, you know, Brother Marty, and really in our hearts, God, to pray for our brothers and sisters and for the people, Lord, in the Gulf Coast that are about uh, experiencing, Lord, this, what's uh, taking place, Lord, this hurricane that has been upgraded to a Category 3, God. Oh, Lord, that we can, Lord, we, we look to you, Lord. You are our protection. We look and we pray, especially, Lord, for the souls of men, Lord, in that area, God. We don't know, Lord, the extent of what will take place, the damages or lives that may be lost, God. I just pray that you take care of your people, 
take care of your servants, Lord, and Lord, and, and the people, Lord, that even in all of this, Lord, somehow they can find, Lord Jesus, they can find you, Lord. Lord, you are in control of everything. Lord, you are the one who can calm the storm. You are the one who's in control of everything, Lord. And we just pray for our brothers and sisters that you protect them, families, children, Lord, that have to deal with, with the fear and the un, unknown, God, that you, Lord, would guide them and protect them and go before them. We summon your angels, Lord, to go and mark those that are yours, God. And we pray this, Lord, that you would, out of all of this, God, that, that we as a nation, Lord, can come to the realization that you're speaking to us, Lord, and that, God, these things are happening, Lord, and, 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 and it lies in our feet, Lord, because of our purpose. Help us to understand where we're at, God, in God's clock, Lord. And so we pray as the winds are blowing, Lord, as the, as the sea is roaring, God, Lord, we pray that you would have mercy on your people, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.